Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mental Breakdowns Podcast. I am your host, Zoe. This is the intro to our third episode, an episode that's especially important for me, uh, given that it's our third, and I read somewhere that Apple Podcasts doesn't start taking you seriously until you have at least three episodes. So, fingers crossed for getting on Apple, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is also my first episode going solo dolo, so uh, please excuse any technical mishaps or just uh, flow irregularities um, uh, compared to the one that we have with Fred. Uh, we're still working out some format things and how things are going to go uh, moving forward, but in the interim... Here's a great episode on Relapse. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mental Breakdowns Podcast. My name is Zoe. I will be the sole host today. So yeah, we're going to keep it slightly short and sweet today. Uh, and let's just jump into our news topics. Uh, the debate. I'm sure you might have seen the debate or at least heard about the debate. Uh, the consensus that I got from friends that have watched it was anywhere from emotions ranging anywhere from extremely triggering which i could definitely see um all the way to hilarious which i could also see and relate to uh i don't know if it's like a defense mechanism or whatnot but i can't i i have to laugh at situations sometimes um just to try to make sense of it all or or maybe not put too much not i don't know not put too much uh of myself into it to the point where I go crazy with anxiety or worry or anything like that. So yeah, sometimes the best thing I can do in those situations is laugh and laugh. I did laugh. I did. Uh, I don't want to get too political or anything like that. Uh, not trying to get re-triggered, but I don't, I, I'm more excited for the vice presidential debate. That, that's for sure. Uh, I'm hoping we can get some actual, oh, excuse me, I'm hoping we can get some actual answers from the vice presidential debate. And I heard that they're coming up with some solutions for the moderator uh, for upcoming uh, debates, which may or may not include cutting people's mics. Um, I know I said on past episodes, I tried to look for some positive news, um, a bait I didn't really like try too hard because I, I found some today and I think I want to end it off with some positive news because um yeah who doesn't need positive news right now okay so bee populations are increasing in many states with Maine the state of Maine seeing a 70% rise in the past two years um we hear the United States or globally for that matter. Uh, recent data collections released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture show that some states are experiencing growth in colony numbers up of 70% or more. Um, I think that's good. I think that's good. And I, I say I think because I remember years ago um, 
they're just being stories about the bee populations decreasing and how that could um, throw a lot of things off balance. I don't remember exactly specifically what off balance thing things we're gonna get. Um, so that's dope. Uh, shouts out to the bees again. Um, don't quote me, but I think they've been around for like hella long, like millennia, if not longer. Um, just like the species of bees in general. So if they could adapt to all the craziness that us humans are just throwing at them every single damn day, um, more props to them. Uh, yeah. Anytime a species can um, not only survive around us humans, but thrive and and increase their population size uh that's pretty dope all right so another one of these uh positive news stories comes out of texas there's this cow uh her name is ruby sue uh yeah her name is ruby sue or she's a calf excuse me i think it's like a baby cow um and I get, okay, so she was born with a disability that fused her two hind legs together. God damn. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny, but I mean, just just wait for it. All right, so she her, her hind legs were fused together. And um, this team that makes walkers for animals uh, made her a, a wheelchair. A wheelchair, in effect. So... Uh, it's got wheels at each corner, so four wheels, one on each hoof, <laughs> one on each hoof, and, uh, and she just carts around now. <laughs> you guys gotta see this picture, it's like, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, it's like a vest type deal contraption strapped to her back. And from that, these, like, legs come out that attach to the wheels. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm really happy for Ruby Sue. And um, I really hope that they don't... No, let's just keep it positive. Uh, I'm really happy for Ruby Sue, and I hope she gets to um, roll around with all her friends. And they're probably mad jealous her calf friends are probably mad jealous like this bitch just gets to roll around on a fucking wheelchair where's our wheelchair but anyway those calves should practice gratitude and stop hating um all right next story i tried to save the best for best for last um one second so Kroger, which is, I guess, was a grocery store. I thought they just, like, made food products and stuff. But they are a grocery chain uh, in other parts of the country. I'll just read the tag. Kroger gave a job to a homeless woman who slept in their parking lot. Um, Lashenda Williams was living in her car. And she didn't know where her next meal was coming from. Um homeless obviously and so she was raised in the foster care system never had a stable home life dealt with abuse in the foster care system so really just had a rough go at it from the start um so i guess at night she'd move her car to a new location in the kroger parking lot hoping that staff wouldn't realize she was living in the parking lot <clears throat> um 
but at, at at the daytime she was like a store regular striking up conversations and making friends um, and I guess some co-worker helped her fill out a resume and got her a job and it only took her a month to get her first promotion from part-time cashier to full-time checkout associate um, and then shortly after she was able to afford her first apartment or the first apartment that she'd ever had her had with her name on the lease um, but she didn't have any furniture for that apartment so another uh, associate at the grocery store went to social media and asked for help and his response or he got more than 200 responses uh, everything from furniture small appliances anything you'd need to furnish a home all those uh, started pouring in um, that's really that's really amazing that's really amazing um, Williams now considers her co-workers and her customers whom she calls quote her babies end quote to be her true family and then just a little uh, quote from her quote when I was hungry they fed me when I was when I needed a pair of gloves they gave them to me these workers that I work with they are my family end quote and the feeling is mutual says the manager Jackie I wish we had 120 of her I don't end quote I don't know why um, why she needs exactly 120 how she came up with that specific number but I get what she's saying um, so yeah shouts out to Lashenda Williams beautiful black woman and the Kroger team um, for helping all right let's get into our uh, topic for this episode um, like I said in the beginning a lot of these or a lot of uh, questions that we've been getting in um, they're kind of centered or, or, or revolving around this topic of relapse so I definitely want to break that down uh, first let's get into the textbook definition and then after the break I can uh, I'll go a little deeper with my own experience with relapse all right, so first up we have the Merriam-Webster definition of relapse. Um, to slip or fall back into a former worse state. So verb. Um, yeah, to slip or fall back into a former worse state. Um, let's check out dictionary.com, which is kind of similar, but... Uh, to fall back into a vice, wrongdoing, or error, or backslide. Um, so yeah, those are pretty. Those are pretty general too, because I, I mean, relapse doesn't have to just uh, isn't just attributed to diseases, right? Whether it's substance use disorder or cancer um, or anything like that. Um, it could also be for behaviors like exercise, diet, um, the the Catholic religious thing, excuse me, Lent, I think it's called. Um, so, yeah, that was those were the textbook definitions. After this break, we'll go ahead and get into my own personal experience with relapse um, after these messages. All right.
You are listening to the Mental Breakdowns podcast with myself, Zoe, along with others as we try to break down the mental health issues of our day using our own experiences along with textbook definitions. Uh, Catch us here on whatever platform you may be using every Thursday night for new episodes. Thanks. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome to the Mental Breakdowns podcast. We just uh, read the textbook definitions of relapse, according to Merriam-Webster and Dictionary.com. And now I kind of wanted to go into my own experience with relapse, um, and maybe even a little relapse prevention. So relapse to me, um, and I was told this by a counselor at my Kaiser outpatient once, but relapse to me a relapse is only a relapse if there was recovery involved prior to um and an example of that would be me working a program like a 12-step program or any type of program that helped me get to um, a better state than where i was previously so i'm continuously working on um being a better version of myself or working on this new program um so that i don't slip back into the old state and when i did or if i do slip back into the old state that would be a relapse um i think where confusion comes in is when people maybe put down and i'm just going to use substance use as a Uh, as the main um, focal point right now so for people that just maybe stop a substance stop drinking for a couple weeks or or stop using for a couple weeks or a month or what have you but aren't doing any work in between then aren't changing at all in between then are kind of just the same just not um using their drink or or drug of choice um my counselor was saying that this is not if you do if they do uh go back to their old behavior that this is not a relapse you just stopped and started again um the difference being a program of change uh is initiated after or uh, before a relapse um and the people that i just described the people that just stop um that actually have a problem with it and it's just stop without any program or help or any 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 change in behavior uh in the 12-step rooms we call those dry drunks or or white knuckling and that's basically just yeah you stopped but there's no work being done to get down to the bottom of why you're even why you even start started whenever you started or or why you keep uh why i keep going back to that same safe uh same safe place of drinking or using so yeah that's a dry drunk or white knuckling um stopping without any other change um there's this psychologist called uh, named Terence Gorski, and he published some 
pretty amazing things on relapse and relapse prevention. He actually just passed away uh, July 2nd of this year. Um, from what I'm not sure, but he's been working in the field, I believe, since the 80s. Um, and I think he's the one that came up with or at least popularized the idea that uh, a relapse doesn't just happen when the addict uh, takes or or drinks their first drink or uses their first drug that a relapse actually precedes that days sometimes weeks or more in advance of that actual uh, uh, retaking of the drug or substance so this I didn't know until last year, until in my, in my education classes, and it kind of made sense to me. Um, it was like a light bulb going off, like, oh, of course, like, you know, it, this just doesn't happen, right? There's a, there's a sequence of events that are leading up to this uh, point in time. Um, and I guess I'll just go into that now. So uh, the first time I tried to uh, get sober or, or, or practice recovery um, was last year of March 2019 so I almost got three months clean and sober um, so I think I had maybe like 80 something days before I relapsed and and I can remember very clearly now just it was about a week or two leading up to the relapse where I just felt like things were slowly unraveling not unraveling quick enough for me to be to to, to um i don't know cause any attention to be uh, shown on me or 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 any warning signs or red flags to be thrown up there were really really subtle um unravelings if you will little things that i just felt like the shoe lace was coming undone or i was waiting for the other shoe to drop and I guess I kind of shot myself in the foot initially by telling friends and family, oh yeah, this is just a break, right? I'm, I'm using air quotes. This is just a break. I just need to, you know, clean my system out, take a break. Uh, I'll be back before you know it. So even though I'm going through all this recovery and, 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 and learning about myself and this new way of thinking, still in the back of my head is, this is just a break. It's just a little break. Back any time, any second now. Um, so that definitely didn't help. But I totally did feel that something was going on. I couldn't put my finger on it, and I definitely didn't ask for any help regarding it. Um, it's almost like I planned it in a sense. So that after this week or two of feeling like this, and slowly things just happening and 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 coming undone at the end of the two weeks it only took one pretty uh mm, pretty triggering event to set me off um and that was a friend in recovery going out relapsing themselves and me with my codependent self going to my friend's apartment and looking for them like i could stop them um but i went all the way to their apartment uh, asked their roommate about them and the roommate didn't know where they were and after that I just felt helpless 
I felt helpless. I felt jealous that my friend was relapsing, envious. Um, I didn't know what to do, so I just sat in my car. I texted like maybe two people. All right, I did not pick up the phone in the sense that I rang somebody up. I did not call my sponsor. Um, I, I believe I still had one. Yes, I still had one at that time. No, I just texted maybe two people and it was interesting the two people that I texted because they weren't um, exactly in tip top shape with their own recovery. Uh, one was actually relapsing as I was texting him. So when I text him for help and support, right, air quotes, help and support, um, he let me know that he was relapsing also. Um, so that didn't help. But I don't, my point being is a lot of things were going wrong in the week or two preceding it. So I was already in relapse mode, as we call it in the 12 steps. And then at the end of those, that week or two period, um, when a triggering event happens, all the work has already been undone, I guess you can say in this case, from the prior weeks. So when it, when it came to that point, my defenses were damn near all the way down and I was ready to go and I relapsed. Um, so yeah, that was my first and only relapse uh, if we're going by the definition of um, having a period of recovery in between. Um, and hopefully it's my last, but you never know with this thing. And I try not to future trip or think too far out into the future. Um, today I'm sober and this is the only day I really care about. We'll deal with tomorrow as it comes. Um, I hope that was helpful. Um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Terrence Gorski. Uh, Gorski, last name G-O-R-S-K-I. Terrence Gorski. Um, he has some really amazing literature in there. And um, also, I just want to note some of his uh, readings. Relapse does not happen when the addict takes the first drug or drink. Relapse is a process that starts long before the addict begins to use. The relapse process causes the addict to feel pain and discomfort when not using. This pain and discomfort can be so bad that the addict becomes unable to live normally when not using. In Alcoholics Anonymous, this is called a dry drunk, but the syndrome is recognized in all areas of addiction and is, in essence, abstinence without recovery. The discomfort can be so bad that the addict feels that using can't be any worse than the pain of staying clean. God damn, that's profound. That's pretty freaking profound. Because um, I just don't think normies, we call them normies, normal people that don't have substance use issues. Um, I just don't think um, a, the majority of them get sometimes how uncomfortable it can be. Um, just being in our own skin, just being us, um, the pain of just being. So what recovery helps with is recovery helps with being in our own skin and being okay, um, and just being. 
So that's why it's such an important part of the recovery process or, or, or if you're trying to stop is really looking at those things and, and, and figuring out what the hell is making me even feel like this in the first place. Um, but yeah, they have a, uh, he, he, um, talks about a number of phases that proceed or, or, or number of phases of the relapse. Well, one is return of denial two avoidance and defensive behavior. Um, three crisis building four immobilization, five confusion and overreaction, six depression, seven behavioral loss of control, eight recognition of loss of control, nine option reduction, and then 10 being the actual acute relapse period. Um, and of course there's uh, like 37 actual bullets in between those 10 phases. So I really recommend um, looking at those. They're online for sure, for free. If anyone wants to dive in deeper into relapse and relapse prevention. Um, okay, enough of that. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and answer a couple audience questions and round out the episode. All right, we'll be right back. This is Zoe with a friendly reminder. If anyone has any questions regarding mental health issues that they'd like us to answer with our own experience on future episodes, go ahead and leave a comment on whichever platform you may be listening to, or you can send me a personal message either through text or Instagram or what have you. I can't promise we'll answer every single one, but we sure as hell will try. All right. Thanks. Back to the show. All right, and we're back with the Mental Breakdowns podcast. Uh, Let's answer a couple audience questions that we've gotten in the past couple of days or weeks. Um, This first one is kind of a two-parter from a friend slash listener in Texas. Uh, A couple questions. What happens to someone who relapses before, during, after? And how can a friend or family help during a relapse and after? Um, So these are great questions. Uh, What happens to someone who relapses before, during, or after? We kind of went through that with the main, um, with my experience uh, and and Terrence Gorski's. How's there, there isn't just a, all right, talking about the beforehand, there isn't just a singular point where one relapses, that it's a process that, uh, happens days uh, or even weeks or more in advance of the actual um, usage of alcohol or substances. Um, so yeah, what's happening before there? Uh, that that's like the f- ten phases that I read off. Um, things are happening and not getting dealt with. Is is the frank frank uh, answer to that? So here's five categories I've, I found, which is kind of uh, mirroring the Terrence Gorski uh, phases. Severe denial of addiction, cognitive impairments, uh, impairments caused by the protracted or post-acute withdrawal symptom, pause. That's like, uh, um, like feeling a little sluggish, 
a little more anxious, depressed. These little post-acute withdrawal symptoms can follow an addict um, for up to two to five years. So even two to five years after the fact that we haven't ingested one illegal substance or alcohol, um, we can still feel these these ups and downs, if you will, um, regarding to uh, either mental or physical states. Uh, three, extremely stressful life problems in early recovery. Some people just really um, have a bad luck at the draw. Um, like one friend who lost a family member while they were in treatment. And, I mean, there's no real planning for stuff like that. And there, I mean, there's, yeah. All one can do really at that point is just stick close to the community. Um, but even that, for someone who's in extremely early sobriety, can be very hard. And it just, it, it, it might feel... It, a lot better to go back to old habits and patterns and just isolate. Um, for inadequate family and social support for continuing in recovery. Um, and I think a lot of that can come from just family and friends not knowing how to help um, and what that would look like. And then five, lack of problem solving, coping and stress management skills. So as life is beginning to happen, because life doesn't quit, happening as soon as we get sober right problems still come and whatnot if one is not dealing with those uh, as effectively as one can or at least like bouncing ideas off other people in recovery the com recovery community or their sponsor um, it could be really hard to cope um, with those things that life throws at us so that's like the before part um, of what's what what happens before someone relapses during relapse um relapse can uh take anywhere from one hour right just just uh, using and then and then not using picking back up ever again um two decades two decades uh i have seen people in the rooms or have heard their stories how they went out for one relapse after one relapse and stayed out the rooms or stayed out of recovery for 10 years plus. So you never really know. And then some don't make it back at all. Some don't make it back at all. Not to get too heavy, but um, yeah, it really is a roll of the freaking dice on what happens during a relapse and how long it can happen. And then after a relapse, um, hopefully if there is an after, uh, Hopefully that person can just come or find their way back to a community, a recovery community that best suits them and that can give them direction um, in the weeks or the days, weeks, months to follow, to come. Um, yeah. How can a friend or family help during a relapse and after a relapse? Uh, I found some stuff that I kind of uh, also support in terms of some quotes and some um, tools that one can use for their family or friend that's dealing with something like this. So this website, uh, this website's called What to Say to a Loved One Who Has Relapsed. And I really agree with the quotes they have. One is, a relapse doesn't mean you failed. And that's a common myth about relapse. 
I'm reading this now. A common myth about relapse is that you've failed. In reality, relapse is extremely common. By some estimates, 90% of people trying to quit alcohol or opioids will relapse in their first year. Overall, an estimated 40 to 60% of people who get treated for substance use will relapse. Um, however, people can and do sustain recovery after relapse. And there, and yeah, relapse is a part of recovery, but it doesn't have to be a part of re one's recovery, one's own personal experience. Um, I definitely knew of people in the rooms that uh, got sober on their first try and haven't relapsed and it's been years since and they're and they're just fine so no relapse doesn't have to happen to every single person that uh, that that embarks on this sobriety or recovery trail another quote is I still support you um, I think that's a great one just knowing that people knowing that your friends and family still have uh, our back is a big one um, because it's that foundation, right? Just knowing that, okay, I messed up, I'm going to try again. And as long as I am trying, um, I still have that support from friends and family. Um, and I think that's a big difference um, when the person that relapsed is still trying to get clean. Um, because if not, if, it's, if this is just like a, a repetitive thing um it can kind of go into codependency territory and that's a whole another episode another quote is i know you wanted this to work another one is what have you learned from this experience that might be a little bit too uh teacher preacher um what can i do for you is one i really like uh i worded i worded like what is helping you look like what does helping you right now look like um if you could tell me what that looks like because um, it's asking the person yeah it's asking the person what would be best uh, in their case like it's 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 not a one-size-fits-all so that gives the person that relapsed um, a chance to really give someone some really tailored instructions to their own experience um, and then the last one is you quit before and you can do it again. So these are just like, uh, these are kind of like motivational quotes also. So I think the main thing is just um, trying to stay positive, letting them know that you still support them. As long as they're trying, they still have your support. And um, asking them what helping them looks like and how, yeah, and, and trying to be there as much as you can without losing your own self. All right, and then um, last question is kind of along the same lines, but I just wanted to touch on it real quick. Um, how can we help and not offend? And I think that's going along the same lines of uh, asking, just straight up asking, what is helping you look like? How can I help? Um, I want to help. I would like you to tell me how, um, because I don't even like even just saying that what, what the question just said. I, I really don't want to offend, so I'm trying here. Um, another website I, I I came across what to do when your loved one relapses. A couple, well, a couple of the titles here says practice self care, and that is probably numero uno. 
before you can attempt to help your loved one, you need to have a healthy state of mind. Um, going back to the the uh, the oxygen on the airplane metaphor, you got to help yourself before you can fully help someone else, at least in the best way possible. Um, invite open communication, brainstorm treatment options, uh, enjoy sober activities together. So activities that don't involve alcohol or drugs, hiking, being in nature, which will boost both of you guys' moods. Um, yeah, just lighthearted activities that don't revolve around leaving one's own mental state. Um, encouragement to s attend groups. And there's so many different types of groups, which I think I'm going to uh, break down on a future episode. It doesn't just have to be Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. There's Smart Recovery, which is more like process group types of thing type of thing um there's dharma recovery which takes a, like a boost buddha uh meditation uh, approach to it so there are many options today and it doesn't have to and it's definitely not a one size fits all and that's going back to the programs too right um having a program set in place i like to look at it as, as an operating system we all have our os we all have our operating systems that we uh that we have that just inform us that that we've been doing so long that that we just wake up and know what we're doing and what we're after and and what we're going to eat and what makes us uh feel good and what makes us feel bad and some people have a better grasp on on it than others but like my program for example is waking up um 5 5 30 doing some making my coffee right making my coffee which is a little ritual in and of itself um, doing some yoga, stretching poses, prayer, meditation, if I have time and then wrap up and do a quick, like 10, 15 minute jog around the neighborhood. So that's just one piece of my program. I'm definitely not the go to a meeting every day type. And that's probably because I live in a SLE. So that helps, but I'm not the go to a meeting every day type. Um, uh, I try to stay connected to a few friends. I'm not constantly in touch with recovery friends. So my point is that my program looks different than um, John Doe's program and John Doe's program looks different than Jane Doe's program. But the idea is to just have a program. Um, and if said program is the program that led you to relapse or led me to relapse excuse me then i need to go ahead and find a different program or i need to go ahead and make a tweak to a program you know like a software update if you will um so yeah encourage them to attend support groups and then the last one is just know the signs of relapse which there's tons of literature about online and this is all this is all good stuff um but I think the most important one is practice self-care and make sure uh, you have enough to give. Um, that your own cup runneth over and then whatever runneth over you have, uh, give that away to someone who needs it. Let's go ahead and just wrap up with the uh, gratitude. One thing I'm grateful for. Hmm. One thing I'm grateful for is my health. Um, I'm really starting to 
I've heard the term health is wealth before and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But I'm really starting to grasp grasp just what that means um, in terms of like I can have all the recovery in the world. I can have all the money in the world. Um, I can have all the material things in the world, right? But it will be all for nothing or it won't mean shit if a fucking heart attack takes me out. And I'll be damned if I put in this much goddamn work to have a fucking heart attack take me out. So I'm just really grateful for my health right now and um, and the fact that I can make uh, I can make decisions like going to exercise, uh, jog around the block, like I, I have the legs to do that and um, I have my toes and all my limbs and stuff like that. So uh, I'm super grateful for my health. And that's the end of the show, guys. I really hope um, you were able to get something out of that, anything out of that. If you have any more uh, in-depth questions or just questions you want to ask me one-on-one, just uh, hit me up, DM, or just if you have my cell phone through that way, and I can try to answer those for you. Um, I had a great time. <laughs> I had a really good time. I'm so glad we got to do some positive news this time. And yeah, I'm ready to go ahead and uh, start my weekend. And I hope you guys have a great low stress weekend. I will see you same time, same place next week. Um, have a great day. All right, and that was our episode number three uh, on relapse coming from the Mental Breakdowns podcast. Uh, I hope you guys got something from it. Anything would be great. Uh, And if you want to do more research on that psychologist, uh, Terrence Gorski, G-O-R-S-K-I, he made great strides in uh, relapse and relapse prevention research. Uh, And he has tons of stuff online for the free but all right i hope you guys had a good time i will see you same time same place next thursday for episode four of the mental breakdowns podcast all right this is zo signing out see you later